So um, this is the second week of, of us speaking on this subject of Kairos. Um, Kairos being the moment that we are in, not Kronos. Kronos is like a timeline, um, and, and there are two words for time that we've been using. One, the Greek words, one is Kronos, which is a me- measurable time. The other is Kairos, which is a moment in time or an opportune moment. And this is week two that we're going to be talking about Kairos. Uh, and today I am going to be talking about knowing our position and our purpose in the time that we are living in. Not the time, as in Kronos, not the timeline, but the time. In this moment where God is doing something, what is our purpose and what is our position in that? Well, it starts by knowing the time that we're in. And uh, Pastor Andy spoke about this last week. He talked about the fact that we are living in the last days. So this is Kronos, this is, we, this is the timeline, we're living in the last days, but in these last days there are certain things happening, which is a moment that God is taking, that God is doing. Um, we, we are nearing the approach of Jesus returning to this earth. Remember when Jesus, he, he died on the cross, he was buried, he rose from the dead for 40 days Many, many multitudes of people saw Jesus risen from the dead, and then he ascended to heaven. And Jesus, as he ascended, he said, in the same way that I have left, I will come back. And when Jesus comes back, uh, we will step into this new era, this new time where righteousness reigns on the earth, where Jesus truly reigns on the earth, and we live in this era of perfection and righteousness which is going to be awesome. And we are waiting at the moment for Jesus to return. If you're new to church, then you might not understand a lot of what I just said. Um, However, uh, in our Bible, in Matthew chapter 24, Jesus speaks about these last days in which we live, these end times. And he said that there will be Many earthquakes, there will be many natural disasters, there'll be signs in the heavens and signs on the earth. Um, that, that darkness will increase, that wickedness will increase on the earth. And I'm sure that you will all agree that, that we live in a world that is um, pretty broken and in many areas pretty messed up. We're living in a time, according to Jesus, called the acceptable year of the Lord or the season of God's grace. And Jesus spoke about this in Luke chapter 4, verses 18 to 19. And this acceptable year of the Lord, or this season of God's grace, it started when Jesus died on the cross, and it finishes when Jesus returns. And in this season, in this time that we live, every single person who calls out to Jesus can be saved. In this wonderful season where Jesus took the sin of the world upon himself when he died on the cross, if anyone calls upon Jesus, then if if anyone turns their heart to Jesus, then they will be saved because Jesus took the sin of the world upon himself so that we could be made perfect in the sight of God. And that is the gospel of God's kingdom, the good news of God's kingdom. Let's read Luke 4 verses 18 and 19. 
The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, Jesus said, because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed and to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. Or in another version, it says the season of God's grace, this season of God's favor. And in this season of God's grace, anyone who turns their heart to Jesus will be saved, saved from sin, saved from eternal separation from God. Their eternal home will be heaven. And in this time... The Bible is very clear that we are going to see an outpouring of God's Spirit, an outpouring of the Holy Spirit upon the church, upon his people, that will mobilize us and empower us to live for the purposes of God's kingdom and bring the good news of God's kingdom to this world. So let's read about this in Acts 2, verses 14 to 21. Everyone okay? Okay. Is that on the screen? Okay, follow it along then. Acts 2, 14 to 21 from the New Living Translation. Then Peter stepped forward with the 11 other apostles and shouted to the crowd, Listen carefully, all of you. Fellow Jews and residents of Jerusalem, make no mistake about this. These people are not drunk, as some of you are assuming. Nine o'clock in the morning is much too early for that. No, no. This is what was predicted long ago by the prophet Joel. So, remember what happened at the start of Acts chapter 2? The disciples, 120 of them, were gathered in this room. And God, by his Holy Spirit, came and filled their lives. He saturated their lives. God saturated their lives with his Spirit. The Holy Spirit came, and these guys turned from... Uh, some of them cowards, some of them people that wouldn't say boo to a goose. And they spilled out of that room into the city centre of Jerusalem and they just started proclaiming Jesus. And they were speaking in this funny language that, that we know is, is speaking in tongues or speaking in other languages, a spiritual language that God gave them when, when the Holy Spirit filled their lives and, and, and everyone thought they were drunk. They were staggering around because God himself would come to fill their lives with his very presence. And it was this just amazing supernatural encounter with God. So they're staggering around Jerusalem. Everyone thinks they're drunk. They're not drunk because in verse 17, the prophet Joel prophesied this many hundreds of years before. He said, in these last days, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. It's interesting, actually. Recently, I have just started dreaming more. I must just be on that crossover point between being an extremely young man to being slightly less young than I used to be. Your young men will see visions and your old men will dream dreams. In those days, I will pour out my spirit on my servants, men and women alike. Isn't that good? Men and women alike. To God, <laughs> we're his people, we're his children. There's neither Greek nor Jew. There's neither male nor female. We're his people. We're his kids that he loves and wants to use for his glory. 
Um, they will prophesy, and I will cause wonders in the heavens above and the signs on the earth, earth below, blood and fire and clouds of smoke. The sun will become dark, the moon will turn blood red before that great and glorious day of the Lord arrives. But everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. So in this season that we're living in, there's lots of signs that, that are pointing to the fact that Jesus is going to be returning soon. Um, and in this season, anyone who calls on Jesus is, is brought into God's favor. When God looks at you, if you call on Jesus, you're saved. And God looks at you and you're perfect in his sight and you're loved by God. And there's nothing now that separates you from God's love. Isn't that absolutely amazing that we're loved by God? So this passage that we've just read in Acts chapter 2, it tells us about our position and our purpose in this time, in this Kairos time where God is doing something. Now, both individually and collectively, as in the church, and I'm not just talking about Family Church Portsmouth, I'm talking about Family Church as a whole, I'm talking about the whole of the church in the United Kingdom, whatever denomination you're part of, I'm talking about the whole of the church, globally speaking, individually and collectively, we are set apart for God. We are his holy temples. What's a temple? The house of God, a dwelling place of God. The disciples in the upper room, they were filled with God's Holy Spirit. And they staggered out of that room and they were empowered to do something amazing for the kingdom of God. And you individually and us collectively as the church, we have been mobilized and empowered by God, by the Holy Spirit, to do something for his kingdom like we have never seen before. Amen? Do you believe that? I think some of you do. Some of you are just processing that. God's set you apart. I'm talking to you as an individual, but I'm talking to us as a whole. God's set you apart, and he has a purpose for your life. And the only way you can accomplish the purpose of God in your life is to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And say, God, not my way, but your way. I'm going to look at that in a sec. So why are we set apart for God? Well, the purpose, that's our position, we're set apart for God. The purpose of that is because God wants to fill us with his presence. He has poured out his Holy Spirit and continues to pour out the Holy Spirit. God is filling his people, his church. He wants to mobilize us and empower us to bring his kingdom to this world. You were born for such a time as this. Maybe turn to the person next to you. Tell them, you were born for such a time as this. Come on. Come on. Each one of us, each one of us has been positioned in God's kingdom for such a time as this. And this is exactly what Mordecai suggested to Esther, isn't it? We heard about this last week. Mordecai, Esther's cousin, suggested to Esther... Perhaps, Esther 4 verse 14, who knows if perhaps you were made queen for just such a time as this, the last sentence there. Who knows if perhaps you were made queen for just such a time as this. That's an interesting question. And of course, Esther was used by God to literally save the nation of Israel from extinction. Being a, a significant part 
of what God's doing in this moment of time isn't just to do with the fact that we were born in the last century. I think everyone here was probably born within the last hundred years. <laughs> I'm pretty sure of that. It's actually much more to do with the fact that you have been born again and that you're now positioned for God to use. What does it mean to be born again? Well, you're born naturally. And when uh, Nicodemus, the religious ruler, came to Jesus and said, how can I access God's kingdom? How can I be part of God's kingdom? Jesus said, well, you've got to be born naturally, obviously, but you've also got to be born again, born spiritually, made alive to God. Your spirit man, which was once just there, dormant, but when you receive Christ, the Holy Spirit did this miracle inside of you and you became alive to God. You're his child and God wants to use you for his purposes in your lifetime. And I have an amen. Amen. Right, so you have been positioned for God to use just as Esther was when she became queen. Let's look at the life of Joseph in Genesis chapters 37 to 47. We're just going to take some time this morning to read Genesis chapters 37 to 47. Are you ready? No, not really. That'd be like 11 chapters. That'd be silly. That'd be a real, wouldn't be a waste of time. Whew, nearly said that. But it would be uh, too much time. Joseph became prime minister of Egypt at the absolutely perfect time. Let's look at Joseph's life. So Joseph went through some really, really difficult and dark times. He went through a lot of suffering and a lot of persecution. Joseph went through some really bizarre circumstances. So what happened to Joseph? He was cast out of his family home. He was thrown into a, a deep, dark pit by his brothers. Thanks, bros. Then he was exalted to a high position in Potiphar's house. Then he was falsely accused and cast into a lonely prison. And then after many years in prison, he was suddenly promoted to the position of Prime Minister of Egypt. You can't make this stuff up, can you? And along this journey, he matured. He grew in his faith. He became well-educated. He learned new skills. He developed his character as a faithful man of God. And all of this set him up to be Prime Minister in that moment of time. When God said now, that was when Joseph stepped out of that prison and took up that position of prime minister. And he was used by God to save his family. He was used by God to make sure Israel had a future, the future generations of Israel had a future. And he was used by God to provide food for the people of Israel and the people of Egypt for, for the years and years of severe famine that they went through. Now, every one of you has been on a journey to get to where you are right now. And you might be thinking, well, I don't really know where I am. I don't really feel like I'm anywhere, really. I don't feel like I've made it yet. Well, that's okay. Thing is, some parts of our journey as human beings are very much planned out by us. We have a plan and everything goes like perfectly. Is that your life? You have a plan? Everything went perfectly according to plan? Anyone? <laughs> Not normally, right? Not normally. See, most parts of our journey, or many parts of our journey, we couldn't plan, we didn't plan. 
did not go to plan. Most parts, many parts were totally not planned. Um, but you look back over your life, you see things that happened by luck. You don't really believe in luck, do we? Or coincidence. You see some, some things that seem to happen because just misfortune, failure, confused times in life, bad decisions that you made. Yet in all these things, God was working. How? He's God. <laughs> I can't answer that question. All I know is that in all of your mess, in all of your confusion, in all of your bad decisions, somehow God was working. And you are where you are now because actually God can use you where you are now because of all you've been through. You are positioned, you are positioned by God for his kingdom purposes now in your life. You don't need to keep waiting to, to step into that perfect moment because even though life has been horrendous at times, it's been a mess, you, you, you've wondered what's all this about, somehow God was working, God is working, and he is able to work all things together for your good. That's what the word of God says. I'm definitely not saying that God makes the mess. In fact, he brought order out of this, you know, in the beginning. The earth was void and without form. God then created. God always brings order. So I'm not saying that God brings mess, brokenness, storms or suffering to your life. God doesn't do that. But he is with you in the middle of the mess, in the middle of the brokenness, in the middle of the storms and in the middle of the suffering. Amen? And he's got this way of working all things together for your good so that he can accomplish his good in your life and so that you can be used for his kingdom purposes. Romans 8, 28 and then 31. Um, and we read part of Romans 8 earlier when we dedicated Mukundi. Verse 28 says, we know that in all things, in all things, in all things, in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose, as you and I have when we accepted Christ. Verse 31, what then shall we say in response to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? If God is for us, who can be against us? King David's life. Look at King David. His life was far from perfect. Yet we read these words in Acts 13, verse 36. Now, when David had served God's purpose in his own generation, he fell asleep. Just that first bit. David what? He served God's purpose in his own generation. He said yes in that moment, in those moments where God says, move now, David. David said yes. I believe that the key to us being used for God's kingdom purposes, even when we don't feel like we deserve to be, even when we don't think we've got it all together, even though we, when we're going through storms in life, Listen, the key to being used for God's kingdom purposes is to make yourself available to God. Available. Make yourself available to God. Because when you're available to God, you're already positioned in this moment for God's purposes. You can then walk in his purposes in your life. David's heart was after God. 
He was desire. He desired to be used by God in his generation. So are you available to God? It's not difficult to be used by God. You just have to make yourself available. You definitely don't have to have made it and be perfect in every area of your life. You're perfect in God's sight, but the rest of it is a journey. As a child of God, you're positioned for God, uh, positioned in God's kingdom, set apart for God. All you have to do is agree with what he's already done in your life. And that makes you available. Can I just listen carefully to to this statement? I wrote this down and I just think it really relates to several people here. You ready? Maybe we need to spend less time worrying about how we failed, how we didn't make perfect choices, how we wasted our time, how we hurt others, or perhaps how we ourselves were hurt or how we suffered. And maybe we need to spend more time being set apart now for the purposes of God. Jesus prepared himself for the cross in great anguish, knowing what was ahead. And all he, well, all he had to do, what he had to do in those moments, the prayer that he prayed wasn't, oh, this is what I think we should do, Father. It was, Father, your will be done, wasn't it? Matthew 26, 39. My Father, if it's possible, let this cup of suffering be taken away from me. Yet I want your will to be done, not mine. You know, in that same moment, Jesus spoke to his disciples and he instructed them. He said, watch and pray. Watch and pray. Be watchful. Be alert. Be ready. Know the time that you're living in. And if we're going to be available for God to use, we have to do two things. Number one, humble our hearts. Say, Lord, not my will, but your will be done. Secondly, if you want to be available for God to use, be watchful and prayerful. Uh, Last week, Pastor Andy mentioned the, the ten bridesmaids, the ten virgins. Five of them were alert and ready for the coming of the groom. Five of them weren't. 1 Peter 5, verses 8 and 9, says this. Stay alert. Turn to the person next to you say, stay alert. Okay, just making sure. Stay alert. Watch out for your great enemy, the devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Stand firm against him. Be strong in your faith. Remember that your family of believers all over the world is going through the same kind of suffering that you are. And and many, so much more suffering than we could ever even imagine. That there is a persecuted church um, out there in many parts of this world. We've got to stay alert. We've got to be aware of the the fact that the devil has one mission, and that is to steal and kill and destroy, according to John 10, verse 10. We've got to be people who are alert and ready when the devil tries to take us away from the purposes of God. Young people, the devil wants to take you away from the purposes of God. He wants to take you away from the purposes of God. And you've got to be aware that he prowls around like, in, like a roaring lion looking for whom he may devour. 
In 2 Corinthians 11:14, it's not going to come up on the screen, but it says that the devil disguises himself as an angel of light. In other words, it's subtle. He subtly distracts you. He subtly deceives you. Before you know it, you're no longer available to God because life has become full of other things. Many of them are good things, but you've lost your passion for Jesus. I just want to, again, say especially to the young people this morning, don't let the devil subtly distract you. It happens little by little by little by little, and the passion will go, and it will take you away from the purpose of God for your life if you are not careful. But you, every single one of you this morning, every one of you in the seats in front of me today, you have been positioned by God for a time such as this. God wants to use you in his kingdom and for his kingdom. He wants to use you to shine the light of his kingdom in the world around you. He wants to use you to be a kingdom person, to live for his kingdom. Sometimes just living for God's kingdom will give you opportunities to show other people that there's another way, that there's a better way, that there's living water that's available. So let's be people that live big for God's kingdom. Go back to Luke chapter 4, verses 18 and 19. In fact, the whole worship team, please, could come up, as well as Shay. Um, so Luke 4, verses 18 and 19. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, Jesus said, because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. So why was Jesus called by God? Why was Jesus sent? Because he was called to preach the gospel to the poor, to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord, the season of God's favour. And you and I, Jesus started by saying, back in verse 18, Jesus said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me. God has poured out and wants to continue to pour out the Holy Spirit upon your life. God wants to fill your life with his spirit. He wants to empower you to be a person that doesn't live like the world, that lives a big, big significant life for his kingdom. And every one of us is unique and every one of us has made mistakes and every one of us God still wants to use despite our frailties, despite us not feeling ready. And I just want to encourage you, think about what that looks like in your life. But it starts by being filled with the Holy Spirit. And as we sing this song now, I just want us to take a few moments at the end of this service to let God fill you with his Holy Spirit. Before we do, I want to ask one question to those who maybe you're new to the church, maybe you've, maybe you've never said, uh, maybe you've never made this decision in your life before. And that is to accept Jesus as your saviour. I don't believe it's any mistake or any coincidence that you're here today. You were born once, natural birth, but you've got to be born again by putting your faith in Christ, by putting your faith in Jesus, spiritual birth, to access and to live in and live for God's kingdom. God's got a plan for your life, and God, in this very moment, 
God is calling you to step into his kingdom, to take your place, to find your position in his kingdom. And all you have to do is turn your back on the old life, turn your back on sin and say, God, I want to live for your kingdom. Accept Jesus as your saviour. So would you just all bow your heads now and just pray this prayer. And this prayer is for anyone. I'd like everyone to say it after me, but it's especially for anyone who has never made the decision to receive Jesus as your saviour. Right now, you're going to make your peace with God and step into his kingdom. Would you say, dear Father, everyone together, let's start again. Dear Father, I accept that I cannot live up to your perfect standard and I repent of my sin. Thank you for sending Jesus to pay the price for my sin. I believe that you forgive me and you make me new. I surrender to you and I want to take your path for my life. So please fill me with your Holy Spirit and empower me to live a life that honours you. Thank you for loving me. With every head bowed and every eye closed, if you prayed that prayer this morning, you, you felt God move in your life today, you understand that there's nothing you can do in yourself to be right before God, but Jesus paid the price for your sin. He died on the cross. He took the punishment. And by believing in Jesus, you're made right with God. Would you just raise your hand if that was you this morning? You prayed that prayer, perhaps for the first time. Just raise your hand. That's wonderful. Nice and high so I can see you. Thank you. Thank you. That's wonderful. Anyone else in this place? You're making a decision to put Jesus first in your life. You're receiving Jesus as your saviour. Anyone else here today? Thank you. Okay, that's wonderful. So for the person that did raise their hand, um, we'd love you to go to the back afterwards where it says, best decision ever. We'll talk to one of our team and they're gonna give you uh, some literature and just chat with you, fill a form out and make sure that you uh, get a great start in your Christian walk. For the rest of us, let's stand. We're gonna worship together. We're gonna worship together. You were born for such a time as this. Why don't you just make yourself available to God right now as we spend just these last few minutes of the service worshipping Jesus. Just make yourself available to God. And can I just say, don't let anything distract you in these moments, okay? Don't let anything distract you. Let's put our eyes on Jesus. And let's worship him together right now. Thank you, Father.